listening to Dave and Dia, a podcast about basketball, life, and the Portland Trailblazers. Please keep all hands and arms inside the window and welcome your hosts, Dave Decker and Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I am Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. It is Tuesday night. We just beat the Thunder. Dave, how are you feeling? We did, you and I. That's awesome. Well, I mean, We're that good. I, look. Look, have we not established that I am a very important part of this? I mean, I, I don't, I can't speak for you, but me personally, I am an important part of this team. You know what, though? I, I was noticing, I like, okay, so when I do introductions, I tend to like emphasize names and stuff like that. And it's always weird how to pronounce my own because you don't usually say, you know, hi, I'm David Deckard, you know, uh, <laughs> but yours I have no problem highlighting, you know, because you're Dia and you're the Dia and it's like, you know, stars and fireworks and all that stuff. But like, you're just so matter of Matter of fact, I like that. Just rolls off. Of course, we're Dave and Dia. Of course. Hey, how's it going? Sit down. I, I, li- I like your style there. Very good. It, it's not style. It's my awkward, what the heck am I supposed to say to introduce something like this? This is weird. Well, you make weird seem normal. If that, well, that's, that, that. I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and take it as a compliment. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good since the Blazers had one of their most exciting wins of the season against Oklahoma City. This is what you were telling me beforehand. What this is seven of eight. You've been keeping track. Yeah. So this is our fourth straight win. So we've won the four the last four games. And out of the last eight games, we've won seven. That's a pretty good run we're on there. That's a lot. And it's not even after the All-Star break and everybody's written the Blazers off like usually happens. This is an early run. And hey. And it's on the road. And it's not just easy teams. I mean, we beat the 76ers. They're the number one team in the East. So, yeah. And Joel Embiid went off again, and Ben Simmons played this time, and it was yep. still good. And Simmons, oh, watching Ben Simmons and Damian Lillard toward the end of that game, I could have done that all night. I could have watched the Thunder defend Damian Lillard all night, too. Okay, so for those of you who might have forgotten in the last two days, basically... The Blazers had this game won. They were up by 24 in the second half. And then either fatigue or whatever, the three-pointers stopped falling. The interior defense was never that great because Harry Giles III is down. Zach Collins, obviously Yusuf Nurkic. So it's Ennis Cantor or a six-foot-five player in there. And often it's Anthony Simons in there, which is news neither. Uh, so Oklahoma City started scoring inside and they came all the way back and they got up by five late. And then the Blazers hit six three-pointers in the final four minutes. Four of those were Damian Lillard. Two of those were assisted by Damian Lillard. And Oklahoma City was throwing the house at him. And he still burned them. It was an incredible display. And long story short, look, I I love the Lillard heroics. We could talk about those all night. We've seen that before. I love the comeback win. We've seen that before. We've even seen them blow leads before. In fact, they usually do. But... Here's what we haven't seen before. They walked with the poise and the confidence when the world was falling apart around them. They actually lost that lead, but never looked like they were going to lose the game. They were calm throughout and sank those shots. By the way, there was no celebrating until the end of the game when they had won it. And even then it was, you know, high fives, claps. Yes, we did this, but it was not like we just won the Super Bowl. 
they look like a team who knew they got down and who knew how to get it back. And I liked seeing that from Portland. That's a little bit of a new wrinkle. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's got to be a sense of confidence that starts to build as they start to realize, because I feel it as a fan, as I'm watching these games, I'm realizing I'm not nearly as stressed as I was 16 games ago. <laughs> I'm not nearly as stressed watching knowing that, you know, we're, we're playing well and we're coming in and we're, we're getting it. And even, you know, there's, there was some talk tonight. I had some conversations tonight again on Twitter where we were talking about the fact that, you know, a lot of people are getting hung up on the fact that they blew a 24-point lead. It's like, you know what, at the end of the day, they won the game. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously there may be some things that need to be worked on and, and whatever else, but they won. And a win is a win. And it doesn't matter that at one point we were ahead by 24 and we did not win by 24. Why? All that matters is we won. Why would people get upset about that? Would you rather be ahead by six and win? I mean, look, uh, you've, if you play enough games, that will happen. The Los Angeles right. Lakers have uh, won games in which they were up 20. and got The Portland Trailblazers, when they were actually good, did this often because they, yeah. were, they were really the Drexler years. They were famous for this, and I'm not comparing this year's team to Clyde Drexler's team, but I am saying they were <laughs> famous for this. They would play so well in the early quarters because they were that damn good that they would get up by 20, and then attention would waver or whatever, the bench would come in, and you'd lose it, and you'd go back, and the other team would threaten by the third quarter, and then in the early or the late fourth quarter, the team would just put the hammer down and win it. I don't see the criticism, we were up by 24 in window. No. It's, it, that just means you were really, really, really good and still won. It doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. I agree, and especially I think we have to remember the fact that, once again, Zach Collins, Nurkic, and McCollum, CJ McCollum, are all out. So it's not like we're playing full force and this is happening. We're going out there and, and we're starting essentially some of our bench players and they're going out and the fact that they're starting out the game with guys that aren't normally in our starting lineup and still coming out with that kind of a lead uh, it, that's impressive to me. Even if even if they lose it over time, you know we're we're running hard. We have less players because two of our main players that usually get a lot of minutes are out. So we're running guys that aren't used to running as hard as they're having to. So I, to me, it's a natural thing that we wouldn't be able to maintain that kind of momentum throughout an entire game. Well, flip it to the positive, Dia. What what I just said about the poise. Who's having the poise? It's literally the second string and in some cases the third string players. The Blazers played eight if you if you don't count CJ Ellaby's three minutes, okay? The Blazers played eight players in Oklahoma City. Eight. Yep. And three of those were Carmelo Anthony, Nasir Little, and Anthony Simons, and they got major minutes. If you yeah. said at the beginning of the year, hey, you know who's playing 30 minutes per game? It's Simons and Mello and Little, you'd be going, oh, crap, something went wrong. That's not going to be good. But these players are literally, literally playing with a demeanor that looks like they expect to win. I mean, look at Little. He's a test case. And granted, small sample size. But dude was had one great game back in Cleveland a couple weeks ago, got injured, hasn't played a lot, comes in tonight and hits 
all five of his shots. He hits every yeah. shot he takes, including, yeah. I believe, three three-pointers. That's insane. I mean, and yeah. it, uh, sure, he'll go, I get it, he'll go two for five or three for eight at some other point. That's not the point. That It's filtered down so far that it seems like the Blazers are literally plucking anybody off the bench and they're walking in there with swagger and hitting shots. you yeah. got to like that. At one point, one of the announcers said, "That's the," and it was it wasn't that far into the game. That's the fifth blazer to be in double digits, and that to me tells me that we're doing something right because everybody is scoring well. It's not Damian Lillard scores eighty and the rest of the team scores five. They're really playing together. They're moving the ball. They're taking, hopefully, I mean, and there are exceptions, but they're taking good shots. They're doing a, really a good job. I'm, I'm really happy with what I'm seeing here. Yeah, actually, the exception I take to what you said is not taking good shots. Uh, I think they're doing that. I, this game tonight, I'm scrapping to find a shot that I thought was bad that wasn't literally against a 24-second clock, right? I mean, and granted, they got into those positions to have the clock run down, but there were a few clankers, you know, that were that had to be taken. But there weren't a lot of bad shots. You know what the objection is, though? They're not really moving the ball, at least not in terms of assists and cuts and stuff like that. They're actually pretty low in the assist department. But what they're doing is literally maximizing the isolation, in essence, output of every player. It's either an ISO or it's a catch and shoot three. Occasionally you get something off the pick and roll, right? But that's literally it. They're not doing anything fancy. This is not the Utah Jazz where they are moving the ball like they were born to play together. They've literally clumping players together who kind of don't belong together some of whom technically might not belong on the court and still getting a huge amount out of them now this is partly in credit to the talent of those players obviously but again as much as it makes you itch go back and look at what the discussion was two weeks ago about how bad terry stotts was as a coach and whatever and how the players weren't doing anything and look at them now for the record that wasn't our discussion no we've always been we we know where i'm pro terry (laughs) well i yeah You know, I think there's a lot of things you can say. I think it depends on your definition of a bad shot. I mean, I tend to say if it goes in, it doesn't count as a bad shot. There were quite a few shots that if they hadn't gone in, I'd be calling them bad shots. But they did. They made them. So, you know, yeah, they, 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 you're right, though. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of ISO ball, which is working for them. It's working. What they're doing is working. I think they're doing a good job of at least being aware of each other. I think they're putting up less shots that are just ridiculous shots. I feel like in the past, we've seen them, someone will get the ball and they'll just decide they're going to take a shot no matter what, even if it's terrible. I'm not pointing fingers, Dave. I am not pointing fingers. <laughs> no, no. I mean, so, just CJ tends to do, I mean, and God bless him. I mean, he scores 26 a game. I'm not going to argue with him. But like, that's that's kind of, if the person who's most apt to do that is probably the shooting guard. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. But I mean, but but they'll take shots that they're not making. CJ's making his shots, at yeah. least this season he has been. Exactly. But but we'll get in these in these grooves where somebody will decide I'm gonna it's like they decide I'm gonna make a basket and they go and they attempt, even though there's two guys that are wide open. And I don't feel like we're seeing that quite as much. I feel like we're seeing them really being aware of where each other are. They're be, it seems like they're where they're supposed to be. And their defense, they're not perfect. It still is lacking, but they're moving their bodies. 
And they're getting their arms up, Dave. They're getting their arms up. <laughs> yeah, let's hold on that for a second because I can make the transition to that. Before we leave the offense, I want to point out one thing. You know who's okay. a sneaky hidden key to that? Besides Lillard, obviously Lillard is the key to everything. But you know who's helped create this? Who? It's Carmelo Anthony. And it shows you how subtle some things are. Because Carmelo's shots, admittedly, at the beginning of the season, I mean, he looked rough. And he kept taking them. And you're going like, oh my God, won't this guy learn? right? This is terrible. And it was. I mean, fair criticism. But you know what? Carmelo has a 10-day run where he's scoring 20, 20, 20, 20, 15. You know, he's scoring big. And he didn't do that tonight. Against Oklahoma City, he was, I believe, 4 or 14. It was not his night. But you know what? Since he's come off of that run, scoring 20, 23, 22, playing iso ball, the defense has to respect him. And the defense is, you can tell when he catches the ball, the defense is going, this guy's a threat to shoot. And not just to shoot now, this guy's a threat to score. We got to stick to him like glue and we got to go hard here. And what that's actually doing is that's opening up shots for other people. Now, Mello himself, he's passing the ball more. Uh, Okay, so I think he's gotten slightly better. He's still not exactly an impresario in that. But... He is bending the defense a little bit in that mid-range, and I think it's just enough to make other people's attempts look better. And by the way, he's also looking slightly better on defense, right, himself. He's been closing out and doing some things that when he's scoring a lot, he looks really good. There are still moments he takes off, but he's been better. And on the offensive side, we, we have to talk about Covington because there was a lot of talk about him and how he was struggling and he wasn't hitting anything. And that man's been hitting everything. He's been shooting well. He's been sinking his threes. I feel like in the last few games, he has really stepped it up. Yeah, I mean, and here's where I am crossing my fingers and getting lucky clovers and crocheting rosaries out of cat hair and anything I can do in order to keep the the juju going because this is absolutely imperative that the forwards be able to be a threat on those threes. They don't have to hit everyone. They don't have to hit 40%. It would be nice. The Blazers would be invincible if they did that, but they don't have to. They just can't shoot 23%. They can't let the defense leave them alone. And when Covington hits like that, it's a message to the NBA that you've got to guard five Blazers, not just three and a half. That's a huge difference. And again, look at the synergy. Carmelo's drawing attention on the strong side. Covington's drawing attention on the weak side. Derek Jones Jr., you better not let him cut. Gary Trent, you can't leave alone ever, 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 ever. Cardinal sin. Now look at all the players that the opponent has to watch. Now what the heck are they going to do with Damian Lillard now? And the synergy between them is so critical. And yeah, Mello, Covington, Trent are imperative to making that happen because if you can leave one player then you can make life miserable for all the others oh by the way we should mention Ennis Cantor offensive rebounds you have to put a body on him or two bodies on him so not only now are you looking outside you are looking inside and you got to bum rush the glass on top of everything else that's a really kind of that's a powerful threat and that's a winning threat and so you're seeing right now what the Blazers are supposed to be yeah they look like a team they look like a full-blown team (laughs) that wants to make a run at this I just you know This is what I knew they could do. I knew, I knew they could do this. 
it's interesting because, you know, early on this season, we talked about the fact that Anthony Simons was going to be our backup point guard and people weren't happy about it. And I just want to go on record once again as saying, I was right, Dave. I was right. He's, he's coming in. I'm, I'm going to say this every chance I get until I can't say it anymore because, you know, I'm, I'm it, just going to put up a big R for right. Like, hang it. Like, you know how they count strikeouts in major league and they hang can, up. A, can I have a shirt? Can I have a shirt that says I was right? About no, no. I, I, what you need to do is get me a shirt that says Dia was right. <laughs> I don't think you were arguing. I think you agreed ish with me, but I, you know, and, and it's interesting because what I'm finding is I expect greatness. I expect that they're going to play well. I expect that they're going to do these things. I'm not shocked when they do. I'm shocked at everybody else being shocked when they do. This is what I have in my head when I'm over here all rainbows and unicorns is, is knowing that this is what they're capable of, knowing that this is how they can play. And here we are. We're doing it. We're playing like that and without a fully healthy team, without CJ, without Nurk, without Zach, we're still playing like a full-blown team that is here to do something. Yeah, Simon's still more of a shooting guard, although, to your credit, I thought in the first half, especially when Lillard had to sit because of fouls and you had to be a little careful of him, that Simon's did well setting up the offense. He he only had one assist all game, okay? Uh, But he drew the attention of the defense and he got the ball to the next player, not necessarily the scoring player. And for Anthony Simons, that's a step, okay? Because yeah. if you remember a year ago, and of course, this is natural, you know, you're new to the game, you haven't played a ton, etc. that when you get the ball, it's like adrenaline's through the roof, I got to score, I'm going to do, or do something. And you could tell that the game was moving fast for him. Now it looks like the game has really slowed down. It looks like it's come to a dead standstill when he wants to shoot the three. The defender might as well not be there because that ball is gone before the defender has time to blink. But even with the passing now, it looks like he's getting more in rhythm, and that's good. Now, making multiple passes and especially passes passes that lead to scores that's the next step he's still a ways away from that but to your credit at least tonight he looked a little bit better at his point guardiness i still think he's probably a passing shooting guard more than a point guard but for now i think he's doing well yeah and it's it's really been good to see especially tonight i feel like you know ant stepped up gary trent jr stepped up and Mello stepped up. Nasir Little stepped up. Like, nobody's just sitting around waiting for Dame to win the game. Everybody's doing something and stepping up and taking part in this game that is a team game. They're all playing, and it's really great to see. And I, again, you know, I kind of started to go over onto the defensive side, but really, for a team that has really not done well with defense, to put it kindly, they are making improvements. You can see that the defense is no longer non-existent. You can see that they're fighting. They're getting a little more scrappy. It's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch. I really love that defense. I love to watch good defense when it's my team. I don't love to watch good defense when it's the other team. I love to watch good defense when it is my team. Yeah, one major thing that they're doing, I think, is they're getting Ennis Cantor a little more help. Okay? And... Again, I say it every time, bless his heart. He is trying so hard on every play. 
He's like the anti-Whiteside. If you could take Ennis Cantor's approach and Hassan Whiteside's gifts, you would have one hell of a center defensively. But unfortunately, they're split into two. But Cantor tries. He gives out the effort. You never have to question that. He just needs a little help. They've schemed so that the forwards can now give that. And they're at least being semi-credible at the three-point arc as they recover. Now, I think they're still giving up too many open threes, but they're actually performing well. I mean, look, I'm shocked that the opponent misses some shots that they do. Seems to happen against Portland. I'll take it. But I think that they're at least 30-40% better than they were at the start of the season. And that makes a huge difference. If you could even get to 30 or 40% more plays, then you shave off what five points well that's more than the margin of victory average in most games so hey you're great there and i think the blazers are starting to do what they need to do they're still not great i think they can still be picked apart that's the danger but at this point didn't we agree to go la 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 and think getting to the playoffs we're gonna get the playoffs and see what happens we're not going to worry about them getting picked off in the playoffs by someone who can exploit their weaknesses because cj nurk is going to be back and and we'll pretend like we have a different team there that's great for right now i'm happy i'm happy with the way they're defending compared to even a month ago let alone the start of the season I'm ecstatic. A couple episodes ago, I guess it was more, maybe more than a couple, because it was right after CJ and Nurk both went down, and everybody was like, blow up the season, we're in for it. And I remember having, we had a conversation about that, about how we just need to keep our head above water. We just needed to get there. But we are doing more than that. We are doing much more than that. We are sneakily creeping our way up the standings. It's just fun. It's fun. It's fun fun to win yeah it's fun to win. that's that's not a bad attitude actually and it's not just for us it's for them too i mean come on and i think part of it too look when covington catches the ball i i don't know what i think he's a professional i think he does everything i don't know what runs through his head but i think some of the confidence to shoot it and to make it has to be oh my god look at what dame is doing it's my turn. <laughs> he's made four of these shots. He's, he's making four three-pointers. I can hit one, you know? And I'm not saying that's consciously going through his head, but there's got to be this spirit of Dame's not quitting on this. Dame's doing every damn thing possible. And he's been here, what, 10 years now. And this is supposed to be his year. And it's really crappy what's happened. But you know what? You still got me. And if he's not quitting, I'm not quitting. And if he's working that hard, I'm working that hard. And it just feels like that that has kind of permeated through the team. And again, we may take this back in two weeks if they go on a five-game losing streak. But I hope even if that happens, it's because they were legitimately overmatched or tired, which I think is a serious issue because you see them start to flag a little more now than they were last month too. I mean, they were they were goofing off a little bit last month, I think, taking off plays. But here, they're trying harder. It looks like they're slowing down because of the limited roster and the grind. I hope the all-star break comes quickly, but I hope that if they go on a five-game losing streak, it's because they got tired or they were overmatched, not because it looks like they've given up. And look, I'll be satisfied if that happens. We talk a lot about Dane and his contribution to this team, and I think that that's warranted. He's obviously an incredible superstar of a player, which we'll get to again later on because we need to have a conversation about that. 
The man is insane at what he does. And not only is he insane at what he does, but he has a way of elevating the people around him. We've talked about this before. There's stories of this happening over and over and over again. That's the kind of player he is. However, it is not just Dame that's doing that. We have, and this is where the culture and the chemistry of Portland comes in. This is where I feel like we have something really special in the in the team and in the roster that we have. In the guys that we have on this team, we have something really special. I want to read this. This actually just came through a minute ago, but Amara, who runs the social media for the Trailblazers. Amara Baptist, yeah. But she, on her personal Twitter, she just posted, not sure if it's obvious on TV, but Gary Trent Jr. was the first one to hype up Nas and was screaming bang, bang when Ant went on his three-point tear. And I think that those are things that need to be noted. You know, Dane gets a lot of attention for the way that he hypes up the team and encourages the team and pushes the team and makes the team better. But I think in turn, what we've got now is the rest of the team doing the same thing. They're encouraging each other. They're stepping up. I mean, there's there's reports of, of these guys, these young guys who spent all this time going in and working on their game really hard so that they could come out and do these things. And I think the fact of the matter is that whether that stems from Dame or not, we have got a team of guys that really are wanting this and are wanting this for each other. And that's something that I love to see. Amara was one of the best gets over the last few years for the Blazers, too, by the way. She and Brooke uh, yep. Olsendam are elite, elite at what they do. And they have Absolutely. the amazing gift, which is great for Portland, of not coming across like they know they're elite i i'm sure they have confidence i hope they know how good they are if not hello you guys are <laughs> i would stack those two up against anybody in the league anywhere new york Absolutely. la doesn't matter but yep. they have that wonderful kind of homespun engagement that yep. is just perfect for this market we are blessed in that sense and i wish if the nba could clone uh, people like Amara and Brooke and stick them in every franchise. I think that uh, we'd all, I mean, we'd all be better off. The world would be a better place. I mean, really, really, truly, I think Portland fans don't realize how lucky we are to have them because it's what we know. You're exactly right in what you said. They are two of the best in the industry at what they do. Personally, for me, I love seeing women who are excelling at what they're doing. I think having two really bright, talented women doing this is really cool. They take it to another level. And, and the Trailblazers' social media is, it is spectacular. It is, in my opinion, probably the best in the league. And Amara is an absolute gem, and we are definitely lucky to have her. And if you, don't, if you are a Blazer fan and you don't follow Amara personally – you're missing out on some real good content and you and you should you should go follow her. Yeah, well, it's it's actually interesting. I was, I was thinking, you know, who are they like in terms of if they were play-by-play -play announcers and they were that good in their field, we would know them already. They would be on ESPN. They would be, you know, this is your Kevin Calabros. This is I mean, they're at that level relative to the rest of the people in their field. And yet probably not real well known outside of Portland or outside of Memphis where Amar came from because you don't get the same kind of respect. And I 
get it that there are probably more social media people in the world than there are play-by-play announcers on TV. And I also get that more people see the play-by-play announcers on TV. But I think part of it is because it's an underrated field. And it's also a field that is being increasingly populated by women. And we're just not comfortable elevating women to the same instinctive extent that we elevate men. And that... I think that's crap. I I think that the gospel should be spread far and wide when someone is good. They're good. Kevin Calabro obviously has a history and wonderful talent and all that stuff. That's great. So do Brooke and Amar. And I look forward to the day when their names are spoken with the same kind of recognition and reverence. I'm almost afraid for that day selfishly because the fact of the matter is that uh, they really probably could be in a bigger market and do really well in, in that arena. And I'm just grateful that we have them, whether that's, you know, for whatever reason it is that they are that they are there. Man, I the day that they are not will be a very sad day for Portland. I know we totally ste- veered off on a different thing, but I think, you know, the, the Trailblazers as an organization are a step above in a lot of ways. And I think that that trickles out from the players and, and the coaches and the people that, you know, we see directly into the supporting cast as well. And I think that, you know, again, Brooke and Amara are, are two very talented people. So anyway. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, let's do this too. Sorry, folks, but Lamar Heard, boy, yeah. is he on point. I mean, concise and incisive and not he's excited without being prone to over exaggeration. Yeah, he's able to teach without being pedantic or coming across like he is above people. He's just sharing what he sees in the game and slicing out the important parts of it and giving it to the audience. That's really, really good. I mean, yeah. I, I, I like the Blazers uh, television crew. I think they, they yeah. need more reps. I think that'll help, right? But you can see where in three or four years, they could be iconic, at least in Portland. Yeah. So I think and, the Blazers are actually on a roll with some of this stuff. And Jordan Kent, too. He stepped in and yeah. really filled that hole wonderfully. I like listening to the two of them play off each other. I like the dynamic. I like that they bring different things. I hate when I don't get to listen to our broadcast. I really don't enjoy when it's a nationally televised game because I don't want to listen to them. (laughs) Oh, I I don't know. Mike Breen is good, and there are a couple others. I mean, Doris Burke. Oh, my gosh. I'll go out of my way to listen to Doris and Hubie Brown. You know what my dream is? Doris Burke, Hubie Brown at a bar. For like four or five hours, <laughs> just watching the game. Let's watch some games, and let's just the three of us just uh, you know let's pound back whatever it is. I don't care. You can have club soda; they're good enough as they are. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna have something, and we're gonna talk. And I would just be oh. Let's talk about Dame. There's a lot to talk about with Dame here. You know, first of all, okay, let's go broader than that. First of all, let's talk about the All-Star game. Um, today was the last day to vote for All-Stars, so that's kind of been a topic of conversation. There's this All-Star game that they, that is apparently in the works to actually happen in Atlanta. There's some controversy surrounding that. Do we, don't we? I've got opinions about this. Dave, what do you think? First of all, Luca doesn't get to shortcut, in my opinion. Dame's been on the runway for a while. He's MVP consideration. I know 
Luca is a media darling. There might be reasons for that. One of them being, and he's in Dallas. One of them might be other reasons. And it also might be because he's new and people like the new thing. Okay. But I think this is Dame's year to start. And I'm going to be heartbroken if and when it doesn't happen. I think that he deserves a year of that recognition minimum. If you like Luca after that, go for it, I suppose. But Dame has given a lot to this league and is very high profile. And we don't have a lot of excuses, I think, to put a second year point guard on a team that's not winning any more than Portland is, whose stats aren't that much, you know, they're he and Dame, whatever. They, they both have great stats. I think it's Dame's time. I think that said, Holding an all-star game, again, money move, it's 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 to all-star weekend. It's it's to generate cash. I don't think the players want it at this point. I don't think it's safe. I don't think it's prudent. I think you're just throwing things out the window by taking, by the way, all your dang best players in the whole league, plus your best three-point shooters, plus all your dunkers, and saying, let's all get together in the same spot. Now, I'm sure their protocols are okay, but you don't you understand, this is not a bubble. This is not, we're going to have you go in for two weeks, and then we're going to isolate you, and then you, you never see other teams, and et cetera, et cetera. They're literally putting them all in a pot, stirring them up, having play against each other. Even if nothing happens, what an unnecessary risk. And oh my gosh, what if something did happen? What if somebody's carrying COVID among those 24 people on the roster, and they're all bumping and breathing on each other, and it's literally all your superstars? I don't get it. I think the the start was rushed. The schedule is semi-compacted anyway. Just stop it and don't leave the money aside. You'll make it up another year. Name them all stars and let it go. What do you think, Dia? Yeah, it's been interesting because, you know, at the beginning of this and when they went into the bubble and the bubble was so successful, I was over here like, why don't we put Adam Silver in charge of the entire nation and COVID because he clearly gets it and knows what he's doing and is doing this well. And all of a sudden now we're dealing with like, who is this person? Does he have an identical twin brother that we don't know about that is not as bright when it comes to COVID protocols? I don't know, but this is a very weird thing to me, watching the way that he's been with COVID protocols and, and how you know the, the league has handled this. And now it, it's exactly what you just said. You're essentially throwing all these guys out there and and taking a gamble and i don't think from what's been said publicly i don't think the players are too keen on the idea most of the players who have spoken out have said they don't really want to do it i don't think most of the fans want it i think at this point there's a lot of fans who are saying this is not a good move it's not safe and and it just doesn't make sense to me the thing you need to do is you name the players go through with the with the process of of choosing who would be on the team and, you know, see how things go. Maybe COVID is at a different place six months down the road and you can do the all-star game at the end of the season. I don't know. but Or, or just don't do it at all and just make it, we're naming these people the all-stars and they're not going to actually play a game. You know what half of the draw for the players is of all-star weekend? It's the stupid parties. It's right. the, nobody knows where this is. Everybody's getting on a bus and going to an undisclosed, uh, undisclosed location and buttloads of celebrities are there and everybody's mingling and this is an unparalleled social situation that you get not even in the NBA finals this is I think half the fun from what I perceive right they better not do that 
that's literally oh my gosh <laughs> that was well, that's you know, make it worse you, so you you're draining all the currency out of the weekend you you know that some people are going to make bad choices because that's just the the odds but all of that being said Damian Lillard should be on that starting team yeah yeah well, hold on before we go i had one other thought you're you're correct okay. about that one other thought though as i said my strong suspicion is this is not an altruistic move to give the NBA fans what they want, which is a game that's totally bereft of defense where the score is 200 to 198 and everybody looks silly. This is about money. This is about TV contracts and whatever. Okay. Now here, my two worlds are going to intersect. Sorry, I'm not going to preach at you, but I'm going to point out something that I find interesting folks. There was a concept in the, in the old Testament of, of the, you know, the Bible called the year of Jubilee, basically where all debts were forgiven in that year and everything was wiped clean. And I understand why that won't work in modern capitalistic American society. Don't don't write me socialist. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm just going to say we're, we're going to erase a little bit of that concept, but take the essence of it. I know the NBA and its owners are going to lose money this year, probably, or not make as much money. But it kind of goes to show you that when you really have tankers full of money, it's never enough. It's never enough. Look at the valuations of in Forbes of NBA franchises that came out like three weeks ago. All of them are worth at least a billion dollars. A billion, but, 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 billion. And some of them are worth five, six, seven billion dollars, these franchises. That's the kind of leverage that you have. So you have one year where you're either not making a profit or you're not making as big of a profit. Revenue share, you stupid 30 owners. Revenue share so everybody walks away without getting really hurt. Give up one damn year of your team that you bought 15 years ago for $49 million, and now it's worth $4 billion. Give up one year of your stupid profits and keep everybody safe. Pay the damn players. Pay the people who work in the arenas. Revenue share with each other. Call the year a wash. Make that your gift, your jubilee to everybody else. You know what, everybody? We appreciate what you've done with this league. We appreciate the growth. We appreciate that we just got in here for fun, and now we literally have more money than God. Thank you for that. Here's our gift to you. This year's on us. You know what? In any damn bar in America, if somebody won the frickin' lottery, that's exactly what they do to everybody else around. But you know what? You apparently, when you have more money than you know what to do with, you've got to get even more. And frankly, I am disgusted disgusted by that attitude literally if i were sitting in those owners meetings not that i know what it means to be a billionaire i guess but if i had that many zeros in my bank account i would look around at my fellow owners and said hey guys let's take care of each other let's keep this league healthy let's keep it going for next year and let's give something back yeah i don't know how to follow that it would be great will it happen no it won't. No, it won't we got to have an all-star game. You know, pay TNT their, TNT their money back. Look, give them a little refund on the TV contract and have them run some kind of highlights reel or special or interviews with people or something that they won't get that big of a ratings. I get it, but make it up to them and do it next year and let people know you're doing it. You don't have to be quiet about it. Just say, you know what would, this is our gift to you. Go ahead, dear. You know what would be cool? 
You know what I would like to see in place of an all-star game? I would like to see them vote for the all-stars, come up with the list, and then go to each of those guys, go to their family, go to their hometown, go to where they grew up, and tell us their stories. Spend the time that it would normally air with these stories, you know, that they could still follow COVID protocols to do things like that. They wouldn't be in in contact with all these people we would still have content that has not been seen. It would bring in ratings because, I mean, think about The Last Dance, and obviously that's a different thing because it's an entire documentary, but people wanna know about these players. They wanna know their stories. They wanna know what makes them tick. They wanna know how they got to where they're at. They wanna know these things. I, I feel like people would eat this stuff up. You could bring in celebrities that like the NBA and interview them about what they like about the player, or who their favorite players are, whatever. You could put together an entire special that could run the length of whatever the All-Star Weekend festivities would run, and you could do it cheaper than it costs to run the All-Star game, so you'd be saving money there, you'd be making money off the ratings and the advertising and whatever else, and it would be a beautiful thing and a way that they could bring attention, again, to the social justice issues that are happening. They could bring attention to being safe as a country and protecting each other and being kind and taking care of our neighbors. They could bring attention to those things while still telling stories and giving us basketball content that is unique to the all-star players. You know what else they could do? Have those all-star players put on a clinic. Have Damian Lillard show you how to shoot. Like, kids, gather around. You want to you know how I did this? How I do this? Here's what I do, and here's what you think of, right? And pre-tape some instructions. I mean, uh, what wouldn't you give to have LeBron James break down a couple things about basketball on TNT? Now, I'm, again, I'm not saying the ratings would be as big, but there would be some ratings. That would be a show, and you well, would remember there, that. There's all. I mean, I could, sit, I could sit down and give you hours of ideas of content that you could do with, when you have access to an entire team of all-star basketball players without making them play and without breaking protocols. Somebody from whatever runs this, contact me. Give me a call. I'll give you ideas. I'll give you suggestions. We can come up with a solution. But the all-star game isn't it. They should not be doing the all-star game. There are so many alternatives, and this just should not be one of them. And, and at the very least... At the very least, why in a season where guys are possibly not getting to play as much anyway because of COVID tracing and all that stuff, why would you risk not only COVID but injury? Why would you risk putting these guys in a situation where, I mean, there's just, there are so many risks that go with this right now that it's just, it's just not worth it. It doesn't make any sense to me. That being said, Dame should be a starter on the non-existent all-star game. He just should. I agree with you. You know, Luca is obviously incredible. I think he deserves to be an all-star as well. I think Dame deserves it more. Dame should be in the MVP conversation. I think he's been in the MVP conversation. I think he's getting there more and more and more as, as the trailblazer. You know, Dame's, who, who's Dame's number two right now? Trent, Gary Trent Jr. So you've got Dame who is playing essentially with a guy that is three years in and is usually coming off the bench as his second player and they're winning and they're beating the number one team in the East. How is he not 
up for MVP. I, I, there has to be. He has to be in that discussion. He has to be. Yeah, I mean, the winning argument is there. The stats argument is now there. This is what wasn't here two months ago when we discussed this, right? Well, two months ago was the start of the season. I guess six weeks. So, yeah, I mean, he has to be there. Uh, I, I still don't think he's probably going to win it because, again, despite his commercial profile, he's not popular enough in NBA circles, you know, fan circles and media circles. But you know what? Sorry, the media has biased itself so now and again let me distinguish myself i'm not saying the media lies i'm not saying the media is untrue no fake media stuff here the media has certain perspectives and if you understand those perspectives i think you can understand better what's coming out but it's not lies all right i'm not saying that but the media has conditioned itself to look at certain players and certain stories above any others, or at least more easily than any others. So that there are some players who have to climb up an incredible cliff to get X amount of media recognition. And there's some people who just get to get in the chauffeur Jeep and drive to the top of that mountain. And I think Dame has had to climb that cliff in a few ways. I think he's made it, but it's not fair that he is just on the level <laughs> with some guys, I think, who have had an easier trip up either because they're East Coast, they're in bigger markets, or because the media is just conditioned in other ways to see really nice stories based on other factors that Dame doesn't tick off those boxes and other players do. And I'm not arguing that those other players aren't worthy. I would say that they've probably been accelerated. And I think this year that needs to stop because Dame has proven himself. And it's even if the other guy appears to be at a level, I think Dame is the one who should get the edge based on what he's done since 2012 in terms of carrying the team in terms of game-winning shots in terms of high-profile matchups in terms of a lot of stuff that if you're talking about an individual award Damian Lillard qualifies for just about anyone there is I agree you know one of the things that I think needs to be mentioned is Stephen A. Smith's apology media is an interesting thing when it comes to the coverage of these players we were just talking about this a little bit but Dame doesn't get a lot of attention and he doesn't get the attention that he should be getting. And Stephen A. Smith came out, and there's a video that's been circulating, and he apologized and basically said, on behalf of the media, I'm apologizing that we haven't been... I'm. This is not a direct quote. I'm just, you know, rattling this off the top of my head. But basically, this man needs to be in the MVP talks. And kind of came forward and said, look, we, we haven't been giving him enough, enough attention, and we need to. I think that's notable. I think when, you know, when the media starts picking up on those things. Now, now again, media is so wishy-washy. It'll be Dame today. It'll be someone else tomorrow. It's so wishy-washy. And so... You know, I guess you take it as it comes and you hold on to it for the moment that it's there. But uh, it was nice to see. It was nice to see him get some recognition. Anytime Dame gets recognition for what he's doing, I, I think that's uh, there's something to be said about that. You know, there it's been an interesting conversation because a lot of people have been talking about how, for instance, Anthony Davis was praised for leaving to go to a bigger market and how Dame has been criticized for saying that he will stay in Portland and that he wants to be in Portland and that he doesn't want to be a part of a super team. And I find that really interesting because to me, loyalty in life, loyalty is one of the most important characteristics in relationships, friendships, you know, romantic relationships, 
family relationships, any kind of relationship, loyalty is one of my top characteristics that I look for in, in people in my life. I think it's important. I think it's crucial. I think it says a lot more than almost anything else. So the fact that Dame actually is criticized often for his loyalty to Portland and his desire to stay here rather than chasing a ring in a bigger market. I find that really interesting, but I, I was glad to see the public acknowledgement of how well he's doing. First thought, of all the things that Stephen A. Smith should apologize for, Dame is probably low on the ladder. <laughs> Second, Take what we can get. Take yeah, what we can exactly. get. Second thought, though, Damian Lillard has begun to be the kind of player who creates a super team wherever he is. If he had just a couple different pieces around him, he would be the center of an incredible NBA team. And he's still the center of really a pretty decent one uh, without a lot of help. So the third thing is, maybe more important than Stephen A. Smith and all the yahoos in the media, like us, you know who's begun to respond? <laughs> I'm not a Yahoo! Yeah, sorry, you're more of a Google. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, I'll be a bing. Okay. But who has been beginning to respect Dame a little bit? The referees. Now, despite Portland, oh, God. Nobody outside of Greg Popovich and maybe Phil Jackson complains about the refereeing more than Portland people and Portland, the, the players, the team, the but commentators. for good reason. Nah, okay, let's leave that aside for a second because we're going to fight. But I will say <laughs> Damian Lillard has been getting a lot more respect from the referees. He's been allowed to shove off with his left arm perpetually on drives and get open that way. Every time he goes near the bucket, if he doesn't get a foul, he's angry because he gets a lot of them and like, why didn't you call that one? He called the other 92. Uh, so that's important. The missing ingredient also, the one that pushed it over the top for, for instance, Clyde Drexler. One trip to the NBA Finals, win or lose, one trip to the NBA Finals would enshrine him with the media and with the referees, and he could do no wrong anywhere anymore, let alone a championship. But even getting that far, he would be golden. And I think that part of the reason he's been easy to ignore is that the Blazers only got to the Western Conference Finals once and they got summarily dismissed by an injured Warriors team and everybody went, you know what? This is like a bad relationship. I can invest my entire heart in it. I'm just going to be disappointed at the end. So it's easily easier to go and look at this young thing over here, whatever it is, whatever else I'm chasing or old reliable in Milwaukee or Los Angeles. And that's where I'm going to invest my heart because I know that's going to pay off. And I, I just wish for Dame's sake and for the sake of everybody who isn't noticing him that he would get that one chance. Yeah, Dame, Dame needs to be in the finals. I mean, the Blazers need to be in the finals. We just, we just, do we need to win a ring? I mean, that's the truth. But specifically, Portland fans are pulling for Dame. He came in in a draft and he's just become who he is with this team and he's been loyal to the team and I mean we go on and on and on all the time about all the good that is Dame I don't think I need to bullet point all of that again but I just think you know to see him go to a finals and especially to win it he should have it one player I mean Chris Middleton I swear to you 
you put Chris Middleton in here in there the last five years. If the Blazers had drafted him, this would be an entirely different story. And I believe that they, if they didn't get to the finals because they hit their head against Golden State all those times, they would still be pushing. We'd still be saying this team is really in contention. I think the draft in which they uh, passed up, uh, you know, they took Collins and passed up Mr. Utah. I don't know. It's late at night. My name is blanking or my I'm blanking on the name now. I always want to say Daryl Strawberry and that's not it because that's obviously a very old baseball player, not a Utah Jazz shooting guard at this point. But, uh, you know, uh, whoever it was, everybody's screaming it into their speakers right now. Sorry, you know who I mean, folks. Anyway, uh, they look one move here or there could have made an outsized difference. And I'm not really blaming them for not making that move because nobody's perfect. That said, it's hard to watch. And I think you're right that at this point, if when you said that, I really looked inside myself and said, for whom am I pulling here now and why? As far as the organization, I think in some ways, they've a little bit made their bed and can lie in it in terms of the things that they haven't done or the things they've, you know, it's not been bad. It's not been great. It's just been what it is. And I'm comfortable with that. And if it was just the organization alone, and we were judging it on that, I would say it is what it is. And they're about where they should be. But you can't not want Dame to get everything. (laughs) You can't not want Dame to succeed at the highest level nationally so that everybody else in the world gets a chance to acknowledge and see what we are privileged to see every season. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and while we're talking about Dame, there's one more thing that we have to talk about when it comes to Dame. That's been kind of a topic of conversation just in the last few days. And that is that Damian Lillard is the most clutch player. I saw, I don't know, several weeks ago, there was a survey that came out that asked coaches, if your team, you know, is in that situation, who do you want to have the ball? And it was alarmingly Damian Lillard. I mean, I want to say it was, it was a high percentage that said Damian Lillard. And, you know, the, the statistics have come out on that. And he is now being talked about as the most clutch player. And, and you know, I mean, with again, with good reason, although I will say part of that is because Portland ends up in the most clutch situations. Um, I mean, we are constantly coming down to the last five minutes of, of play and being within a few points. But I think that that is, I mean, if you're going to have a characteristic of a player on your team, that's a pretty good one to have. Look, that's since 2012, the most clutch shots, I believe that was the stat. And tonight we saw it. Tonight, if you go back and watch that Thunder game, and I again, it's late at night, I forget who was on it, but Oklahoma City had him defended at the top of the arc and their defender could not have done better. Right, the perfect distance, exact timing, perfect extension, no foul and no space. And Dame still hit that shot, that step back three. It's just like, okay, Dame's not going to hit every one, but whether he makes it or whether he misses it, that's up to him. That's not up to you as a defender anymore. And this is why, this is where the difference, Donovan Mitchell, that's it. Okay, now I got, got 
Terrell Strawberry. There we Donovan go. There Mitchell. We go. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Remember Andre Iguodala? Remember the way that Golden State series ended a couple years ago where Dame had the ball on the sideline and he was trapped there and they needed a last second three and um, Andre Iguodala just reached in and bottled him up and that was it. And you know what? We've never seen that since. And this is what's so impressive about the guy is like something bad will happen to him. And it feels like he goes into the gym, thinks about it, watches films, drills, 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 drills. And that same bad thing does not happen twice. And Never. You, and it's <laughs> to the point now where he's practiced so many things that aren't going to happen twice that you just can't stop him. Only he can stop him. And that is a, a rare thing. Okay, and Again, Clyde Drexler, Bill Walton, sort of Rasheed Wallace. A little bit, although Rashid was not clutch like that. He he wanted to pass the ball. He wasn't that like killer clutch thing. But when Rashid got rolling, he was that kind of talent that only Sheed could stop Sheed. That's about it. I mean, Lamarcus Aldridge and Brandon Roy would be probably in that group somewhere, but they're not at Dame and Clyde level. I, I would say Sheed, Lamarcus, and Brandon are a step below, and also uh, you know Dame Drexler and Walton were the step above. That's it. That's the, the in the fifty year history of this franchise that's all you've seen that's come even close to that so yeah i mean this guy pay attention to what he's doing and realize you got what three years i mean not that he might even if he stays at some point he's going to be 34 at some point he's going to be 36 and it's not going to be quite the same so watch it enjoy it recognize it right now I feel like Damian Lillard's going to end up being a LeBron James in the sense that he's going to go and he's going to go and he's going to go and he's going to go. He's going to go past, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be LeBron James, the player, but I am saying, you know, we still see a high level of play. There are other guys that are around that age, like Melo. Melo's the same age as LeBron, but Melo's not playing at the same level that he once was, whereas LeBron is still playing at the same level that LeBron once was, if not better. Yeah, but but D, it's his body. It's his body. Uh, LeBron is a, a huge, unparalleled athlete who tunes... I mean, he's tuned within a millimeter of perfection at all times. And I'm not saying Dame isn't, but Dame isn't LeBron's size. And Dame can't play all the variety of ways that LeBron can play. And Dame never gets to take the breaks that LeBron gets to take every season. And I'm not just talking about taking games off. I'm like literally certain games he plays less of a role or he shoots from the outside more and his team fares well without him because his teams are constructed around him more solidly, usually. That's not, I mean, Damian Lillard, high minutes player his entire career. Nobody, except for ironically CJ McCollum now, (laughs) does what Dame does. So I think that the chances of that I hope you're right, but I think the chances are small because of his size and because of the way he he's been used. So maybe, but yeah. I think I think if anyone's gonna do it, it's someone like Dame. He will will himself into it, if nothing else. I I don't know. You may be right. I mean, I I definitely see your point in that, but it wouldn't surprise me if if he's got some good years still left in him. And you know what? Oh, I say this every time, but if it doesn't work out in the next two or three years, go win your ring. Go do it. I mean, Clyde did it. It broke broke our hearts. But you understand that everybody understood it. And I would love to have Damian Lillard as this franchise's cornerstone for all the years he plays. But if Lillard wants a ring, 
I want him to have that ring because he has given at that point 12, 13 years to this franchise. And that's enough. I feel selfish saying you cut off your professional dream and everything that you could possibly do in this profession so I can feel better for you, Mr. Lillard. I will feel better on my own. Okay. About what you did because you've given us something that almost nobody else has and let me feel better and you go do everything that you're supposed to do. And I think at this point, I, I was waffling about that as late as a season ago. I was lo- waffling about Dame's legacy as late as this last summer. But we are literally seeing it played out right now. Why he is so special and that there is nobody like him. So, yeah, I mean, just all appreciation. And at this point, I don't think he can do much wrong. Look, I agree with that. I don't think he'll do it. I would be really surprised to see that happen. If it did, I, w- I like you, would be okay with it. But I would be surprised that he even went on record at one point as saying that it wasn't a big deal to him. Don't join the super team. Don't join the Lakers. Go to Milwaukee if they don't win it. Go to Milwaukee. Unite with Giannis and, uh, and Middleton the way it should have been the other direction. Actually, God, it kills me. The Blazers could have drafted both without moving any draft positions. The Blazers could have both yeah. of them. <laughs> and that I, Think about I, that. But anyway, go make that happen the other way if you have to. And if they haven't won a ring, go show it there. Don't, don't, don't go don't go I don't and think, stay. I don't think right. he will, though. I don't think Dame will. We'll see. We'll, you know, I hope we don't have to see. I hope we can do it here for him. But if we don't, we'll see. I would be surprised just based on things that he said in the past. I think I think loyalty is something that he values higher than something like that. And, and I would be surprised. Dia, I don't know what the matter with us is, but we're already over an hour into this podcast. Are we and we've really? gone through three topics. So okay. if there's anything else, we should probably get it in. Nope. I think people will trust us for another five or ten minutes. But literally, we could go for a whole other hour at this we- point. We actually really covered just about everything. Okay. So I think I think we're good. I think we're good. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure as always. It's like time warp. It's weird. That we do podcasts like Dame does three-pointers. Like time slows down and just everything goes <laughs> right where it's supposed to be. All righty. Well, any last words or thoughts on the week coming up or anything? No, it's just really nice to be able to sit down and do a podcast and say that we won every game that we've played since the last time we did this. <laughs> this the last podcast, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> All righty then. Well, for uh, the incomparable Dia Miller, uh, patron saint of unicorns and rainbows, and <laughs> always justified as being right in the end, I am Dave Deckard, and we will see you all again next week. This has been Dave and Dia, a Blazer's Edge production. Find more basketball talk at blazersedge.com. Watch your step as you exit, and we hope to see you again soon. Dave and Dia, what is that? A Swedish skin cream company?